He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on the leader's cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the leader's cut. If this is your first time joining us. Welcome to the conversation. That's exactly what it's meant to be. And it's not just a two-way conversation. I believe the Lord has asked for it to be a three-way conversation where his voice is the one that we desire to hear the most. Not mine, not yours, not even ours, but his. This is one of the most fun things that I get to do is just spend some time with you and trying to give away as much as I possibly can. Uh, and kind of the way I've calibrated my brain to come into these is I'm talking to the young me, whether male or female, someone like me in a similar situation um, that I was in back in the day. And so I'm really excited to talk about something that uh, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm learning real time, all right? So it might be a little clunky because I'm learning all of this legit real time, okay? You hear me talk a lot about hiding, but I think the Lord wants to talk to us today about the other side of hiding. So let's pray. Let's ready our hearts and our lives to be cut on by the divine surgeon of heaven, the spirit of the living God, spirit of the living God. You are literally the amazing one. There is none like you. There never will be. There never has been. And there is not right now anyone like you. It's a privilege, God, that we get to come together and have these conversations. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour the oil of heaven over me and every person on the other side of this conversation. Would you just dump the heavenly horn of oil over our heads, over our lives, in every area of our lives, not so that we can be better, not so that we can be more impressive, but simply so that we can steward, we can be a part of stewarding a move of God on the earth. And a move of God on the earth necessitates the oil of heaven to pull it off. So Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves right now. We lay down on the surgeon's table in our hearts and we say, Holy Spirit, cut on us. If there is something in me of my flesh that is getting in your way, no matter how badly it hurts, I'm begging you, would you love me and them enough to cut it off and then bring healing and increase strength? Holy Spirit, bless this time and bless my brothers and sisters whom I love so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, thanks for letting me pray. I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do. And sometimes I know I pray a long time on this. Um, and I just appreciate you letting me be me. And <laughs> he's my best friend. I love to talk to him. And I love to talk to him about you. So uh, if it's weird for you to, to see the first couple minutes of, of an episode and then the last good lord sometimes it's been 10 minutes um i'm just i'm grateful for you extending some grace all right okay i, I want to kind of give you how i feel about this conversation so that you understand i'm not like boldly jumping into this conversation okay um and and full disclosure my wife hates when i step out <laughs> 
and teach teachings like this. The ones I'm learning real time that are very private and could be taken the wrong way. My wife is a protective gangster. And when I ran this by her, the look on her face, it was kind of like, baby, be really careful. And I said, why? She said, honey, sometimes you have a tendency to go into conversations like this so innocently that you just kind of think everybody else is, is entering the conversation with that same measure of innocence and, and they're not and, and they might see what you're saying the wrong way. And so please just hear my heart after she calibrated me with that. I'm just setting this. I don't know everything. I don't know much. Um, but when the Lord's teaching me something, listen, I've, I've committed to run with you. If you are committing to run with me, I'm committing to run with you. That's why I try and jump in the DMs. That's why I try to jump in the comments because we're running together. And, and if we're going to run together, I want to give you whatever the Lord gives me um, that might help you in the journey that you are presently on. So uh, just cut me a little slack, extend some, some grace um, because this, it's a sensitive topic, okay? Um, the other side of hiding involves influence. And so what we're talking about today is literally influence. And it's coming, and I want to be so careful talking about this because I just I don't have the time to, to express how I feel about it, and I know I run the risk of being misunderstood. So rather than waste more time, please just hear my heart, okay? I'm just trying to be transparent. Um, I've told you my story um, for the better part of two and a half decades. The Lord's had me in hiding, probably since I was 13, honestly. And now I'm 45. And um, it's been an amazing journey. But then last summer, um, out of nowhere, I've, I've felt the Lord and I've shared this story just like double fist down, standing up, shoulders powerfully flexing. I felt the Lord just go now. And my whole life up to that point, I've had felt the Lord saying consistently, repetitively, not yet. Not yet, not yet. And so um, it was new for me to sense the Lord saying, now. I've, I've had words given to me by mentors, um, not just Gateway mentors, but outside of Gateway that if I mentioned their names, you would know who they are, that essentially said, Preston, it's, it's time for you to come out of hiding. Um, but the Lord had said, not yet. And so last summer, the Lord said, now, started to prepare for that. And then at the first of the year, um, stepped onto social media, which if you've run with me for any amount of time, uh, I didn't do essentially for the 10 years prior as a senior pastor. Somebody on the team or the team would kind of say, hey, I think it'd be good if you'd get on. And I got on, but there was no grace for it. And I felt the Lord saying, not yet. And I would just stop after a while and it just... You know, I've, I've not hidden my feelings about social media in the past. But in January, we jumped on and uh, it's, it's been a wild for me. I know other people go on much more wild journeys, um, but it's been insane. Like I, I, it, it, I'm still trying to figure out um, 
you know, when you, and you probably understand this, if you're in a season of hiding and you've been there for some time, when you've been hiding for a long time, it's a shock to your system when God removes the veil. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but the Lord is so kind and gracious and he's helping me uh, learn about influence. And the reason God teaches us on something like influence is very simple. So that we can better steward it. So listen, hear my heart. I'm not trying to draw attention to something that's happening. I have other friends. They've exploded. I'm, not exp I'm just telling you, it appears I'm in a little bit of a different seat than I was seven months ago. One was completely hidden and off the radar, and the other is not so hidden. And so let me, let me just say, uh, from my perspective, we have to be able to, as family, talk about some of this stuff because it's the equivalent. If, if my wife and I were running a business and God was supernaturally blessing it, there's two ways to look at it. Hey, babe, let's not talk about it because we're going to jinx it if we do. Or, hey, babe, how do we steward this? It appears God's doing something. We need to talk about it so that we can steward it the way God wants us to steward it. So that's all I'll say on the hard side. So let's get into the teaching, all right? Let's, let's start here with this perspective of influence. To me, influence is like a muscle. This is one of the things I'm learning. The more you use it, the more it grows. When you use influence, it grows. Whether it's you use it for good or bad. And we're going to talk about that in the first point. But I want to kind of calibrate you before we jump into the three points I want to give you using a verse that I usually use to teach on money. I want to talk to uh, every once in a while, a, a business owner, somebody who just started a business, they've been running a business. Uh, one of the things I like to talk to them about is their theology of money. And I think one of the best verses on the theology of money is Deuteronomy 8.18. And it says this, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power. God is the one who gives you power to be successful. Literally translated, to get wealth. But I love how the NLT says to be successful. Watch this next part. Some people, when they teach this, they kind of go, it's God who gives you the power to get money, period. There's no period. There's a comma. In order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Here's what I want you to catch in this conversation. Influence comes from God. And it's to be used for God. The subject of Deuteronomy 8.18 is not money, in my opinion. The subject of Deuteronomy 8.18, the, the big idea of Deuteronomy 8.18, is what God wants to do in the earth. Preston's paraphrase of Deuteronomy 8.18. Now don't forget, before I give this influence to you this ability supernatural ability to be successful influential before i give this to you let me help you understand why i'm giving it to you in order to fulfill the covenant i confirm to your ancestors with an oath this is how god processes of course he's talking to the people of israel here but this is how i believe god looks at influence it's how he looks at money it's how he looks at resources there's something this is god there's something i want to do on the earth 
And in order to do it, it's going to require these things. All right. So if one of the things God wants to happen on the earth is for the gospel to go to the ends of the earth and for us to win all of those in our sphere of influence into a loving friendship with the God of the universe, not just a relationship with religion, we're going to have to see influence a little bit differently than some of us had, especially those of us who've been hiding. First thing I want you to, to think about as it relates to influence is this. Influence isn't evil, but it can be. Influence isn't inherently evil because it comes from God. Influence isn't something you gain. It's something God gives. To kind of give a working definition of, of the word influence, it, it means essentially this, the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. Influence is a really big deal, and to be very honest, it's something I ran from for a very long time. Influence is a responsibility. It's not an ambition. The Hebrew word for glory in scripture is the word kavod, and it literally means heaviness, burden. I want you to think about that for a second, because this, this, this is, to me, how we are to see influence. It's a weight. It's a weight that we steward, that we carry. You know, I going through the season we're in as a church, I understand it's, it could be a little culture shock for some people. You know, I mean, I, was, I, I hid for the first 10 years and now I, I kind of came out of hiding just a little bit. I mean, like barely. And I could understand if some people are like, well, I just liked it way better when Preston was hiding. I don't like him out there on social media. I don't like him out there at other churches. I liked it when Preston was just here. I liked it when Preston was just hiding. Well, if, if that's you, if, if you're a member of Pillar and you kind of think that way, let me just tell you how I feel. Me too. I liked it better when I was hiding. Hiding is a gift, not a weight. Influence, though, is a weight, not a gift. Some of y'all are getting tripped now because you're going, well, I thought influence was like some prize that I, I attain. No, 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 no. Hiding is actually the prize. Because when God hides you, he hides with you. <laughs> Influence, though, is a weight. And with it comes a responsibility. Influence isn't a gift. It's one of the things I've learned over the last seven months. Influence is not a gift, in my opinion. It's a kavod. It's a weight. It's a burden. Influence isn't inherently evil. Let me just ask you, think about this. What would have happened if John the Baptist would have stayed hidden? What if the forerunner sent to declare the message, one is coming after me, and he is the son of God. What if the forerunner would have stayed in hiding? Here's the answer. The message never would have gone out. Now, I don't know how you see influence, but in my opinion, one of the ways you know you may not understand influence is when you fixate on its benefits. Well, if I had influence, I would get to do this and, and I'd get to do this and that and, 
and all these things that I'm not getting to do right now and it'll be amazing. Okay, that's, in my opinion, a little bit of evidence that you don't understand influence. But you know you're beginning to understand influence when you don't want to carry its weight. If you think influence is evil, let me read you 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, which says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Notice, and, and any of you who haven't watched Brent's message from this past weekend, um, you, you, you need to see this thing. You need to see it. Just go back. Um, I, I think the title was, What Do You Do? Uh, between here and there, there's something like that. Phenomenal message, okay? But he talks about God sent him to a truck for a season. And then at the proper time, God put Brent on a path that involved influence and an increasing measure of influence. Influence is not inherently evil. It's not something we are to idolize, but it's also not inherently evil. Watch what God says to Joshua in Joshua 3, verse 7, he says, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you, or so I am with you. But look, though, the evidence of God's presence, God's being with Joshua, God says is, I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to give you more influence in the lives of the people. But let me say this, and Joshua is a great case study for this conversation. What God does with you in front of them must never become anywhere near as important to you as what God does with you when it's just you and him. This was the key to Joshua's life, in my opinion. The best part of Joshua's life wasn't the pedestal he led the people from. The best part of Joshua's life was the tent he got to meet with God in. How much influence God gives you doesn't matter. How you steward it is what matters. How you see it is what matters. Influence isn't evil. If it was, God wouldn't give it to you. First Kings chapter three, look at Solomon, one of my heroes in scripture. Watch how he got influence. This is crazy. I mean, God gives Solomon influence, but watch how he got it. First Kings three, verses 10 through 13. The Lord was pleased because God had just asked Solomon, hey, what do you want? Based off the sacrifice that you just made to me, what do you want? I want to do something for you. And Solomon says, would you grant me wisdom? understanding for who by themselves can lead this great people of yours. And that leads into verse 10. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you ask for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. I like the word influence better here. Riches and fame. See, to me, the difference between 
fame and influence. Fame is just being known for something. It's notoriety. Influence is doing something when they know you. Doing something with it. Okay. God says, no other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. Big words. Big talk. God says, I'm so pleased with your heart in this moment, Solomon. You didn't ask me to be the most known man on the earth. You didn't ask me to be the man who had the most money on the earth. You asked me for the very thing you needed most outside of my being with you in order to properly lead my people. You asked me for wisdom so that you can lead the ones I love. Well, okay, buddy. Here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you the money and the influence. Again, if money were inherently evil, God wouldn't give it as a gift. Don't get wonky on me. All right. Not going prosperity. I'm just saying. Money and influence are not inherently evil. They can be. But they aren't automatically. It all comes down to what you do with them. Here's what I think God is saying to anyone he's giving influence to. I think he's saying, I want many to hear what you have to say simply because of what you're saying to me in private and what you're hearing me say to you when no one else is around. Pretty sweet. Pretty sweet that the God of the universe would say that as part of his why for giving us influence. Here's the second thing uh, we need to remember as it relates to influence, this conversation on influence. Point number two, we must not hide, even though we must not seek. We must not hide. This is a word the Lord gave me, even though we must not seek. And I'm not talking about seek him, I'm talking about seek fame. Here's one of the big epiphanies I had when the Lord rang my bell because remember, just my path, uh, I was hiding for a really, really long time. Sorry, my daughters. Watch this. No, she hung up. We we're about to get to talk to her live. I love it though. She's off of college. Here's one of the things that rang my bell that the Lord just, I didn't see this coming because I'd been in, in a very prolonged season of hiding. He helped me understand I didn't understand hiding. <laughs> Here's what he said. Preston, the opposite of hiding isn't seeking to be seen. The opposite of hiding is not hiding. <laughs> that might seem really simple to you. And sometimes Timmy and I, get, we get mocked a little bit for overreacting, it appears, to some when we feel like God says something. But you just got to remember, I'm just a little boy. When he drops a dime on me, especially uh, with a blind spot, I, it's hard for me to, to be calm about it. I mean, he, he's literally, Preston, okay, listen, one side of, of, uh, of the extremes, if there are two sides, polar opposites, one side is hiding. But what's the other side? What's the opposite of hiding? And in my mind, it was, oh, it's those people who are a little bit narcissistic, trying to be seen by everybody else. And the Lord's like, oh, no. No, that, that's not the opposite of hiding. Pressing the opposite of hiding is not hiding. 
<laughs> and here's what he said. You must not hide when I tell you no more hiding. When God says hide, you must hide. But you cannot hide when God says no more hiding. If God says your season of hiding is over, you couldn't hide if you tried. And I think one of the biggest problems is that people just think that oh, only the godly hide. I didn't even realize it. That's how I thought. Only the godly don't bring attention to themselves. So are, are you saying John the Baptist was ungodly? Coming out of hiding in the wilderness, screaming at the top of his lungs to anyone who would listen to him and even those who wouldn't. Prepare the way. There's one coming. He's the son of God. Was John the Baptist a narcissistic, evil, impure-hearted, attention-seeking fool? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. In my opinion, he wasn't. He was a pure forerunner. He was simply trying to draw attention to the one who had come. What would have happened if John the Baptist would have stayed in hiding? For a season, God said, John, hide. But then came that moment where God said, no more hiding. This is why I'm trying to tell those of you who are in a season of hiding, it's not going to last forever. You need to be diligent with this season because it's coming to an end and probably more quickly than you want it to. Stop resenting the season of hiding. God has a purpose for it, but you need to make sure you were diligent in it. Because once God says, no more hiding, it's time for me to use you in a way I've been preparing you for years and years. Come out of the wilderness. Are you ready? How can you be ready if you think the only godly people are the ones who remain in hiding? I did. And it wasn't until God started to remove the blanket that was covering me for so many years and just, just a little bit, he's just removed it like a tiny bit that I started to learn. Oh, okay. Hiding isn't an assignment. Hiding is a season. Hiding is a season where God prepares you for the assignment of influence. So that when you come out of that wilderness, everyone doesn't just hear the sound of your voice saying, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. They see the oil on your life and heaven opening up over your life as you obediently exit the season of hiding in order to obediently take your place to steward the influence God gives you. If Jesus says no hiding, then hiding is impossible, not just disobedient. Let me show you how Jesus sees hiding when it's no longer a hiding season. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. He's speaking to the family of God here. You're the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. These words liberated me. 
from a little bit of an excessive chain or bondage of hiding. Only the godly hide. Only the godly stay hidden. Yeah, as long as God's, God says stay hidden, but how can you be godly and remain in hiding when God says no more hiding? Verse 15, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. This is a picture of influence. That the light would shine for all to see. Here's the point. Fame isn't the goal. Glory is. Bringing God glory. And let me talk to you because you, you I, I'm not trying to make this about social media. It's just, it just happens to be that's kind of how the Lord is teaching me in this season of my life about influence. All right. So this is not about social media, but I'll use it as an example. Okay. Uh, recent. This morning. All right. I don't even know what the date is. August the 7th. One of my mentors and heroes uh, posted. He, he is kind of stepping out into the social media space. One of my heroes and mentors, Pastor Tom Lane. Absolute monster. If you don't follow him on Instagram, you should. Because the man is starting to drop dimes every day. And only a fool, in my opinion, knows that Tom Lane is dropping daily dimes and does not avail themselves to it. So go follow him. I think it's at PS Tom Lane. But Tom put up a video about father wounds this morning. And when I saw it, it like a bomb went off in my chest. And my first thought was, Lord, in ministry, father wounds seems to be one of the biggest issues we come up against and have to help people through. Lord, there are a lot of people because there's a moment in the video where Tom sits in the seat of your father and apologizes on your father's behalf if he's wounded you. I mean, when Tom starts doing that, literally heaven started opening up. I mean, no hyperbole, no exaggeration. It was just absolutely supernatural. And it was God divinely enabling Tom to be a part of healing some really deep wounds. And it's God that does it. But as I saw the video, it was obvious that God was using Tom in that moment. And here's what I felt like happened to me this morning. The Lord goes, what are you going to do about it? Preston, I'm the one who just made that bomb go off in your chest. What are you going to do about it? Tom's just on social media. He's seven months Uh, behind me in this journey. I'm still new to it, but he's really new to it. He's just in the last couple of weeks, right? And he's got a couple of thousand people follow him on on Instagram. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, exponentially more people than follow him presently and way more will follow him. But because he's only been on for like two or three weeks, my Lord, way more people then the couple thousand that follow him need to see this video because far more people than follow him have these deep father wounds that this video, I believe you're going to use to heal a wound in their heart. And the Lord's like, what are you going to do about it? Well, what can I do? Preston, every drop of influence you have, I've given you. 
Why do you think I've given you this influence? Before I could answer, I felt he answered. Preston, it's so that every once in a while, when you open your mouth to say, look over there. I know you've never heard of this person, but you need to listen what God is saying through this person. Preston, one of the reasons I've given you influence is so that others will listen when you say, listen up. You should hear what this person, this man, this woman has to say. It, it totally reshaped my thinking this morning. Listen, when God gives influence, it's always for a specific purpose. This is why when we say influence isn't inherently evil, but it can be. How will you use the influence God's given you? Will you use it to draw a bigger crowd? And I'm not saying that's inherently bad, but it might be if that's the goal. And then let me just, I'm, I'm going to jump off here and just I'm gonna talk about something for a second because I'm learning how the, how social media works. Okay. I wasn't on it. Now I kind of know here's what I've learned. It's basically just extortion. I probably shouldn't say that, but it's a pay for play model. And he, they kind of let you know. We're in control of the algorithm and you're not. Okay, okay, great. But here's what I personally believe. God is in the algorithm. Everything in heaven on earth belongs to him. And so here's, here's what I've learned. Um, I don't look to Instagram or any platform as the key to getting the word out. I just look to the Lord and go, Lord, what, what do you want to say? And where do you want to say it? I'm going to put some up on YouTube. Okay, great. If that's the mechanism, great. Instagram, great. But I will tell you, the goal, in my opinion, of social media is not to have more followers. That might happen for you, but that's not the goal. Because I've learned, bro, if, if, if you, we just tested it, the whole sponsoring post thing. You know what we learn? You know what I learn? Sure, the platform opens up the gate a little bit and you get more followers, but you know what kind of followers you get? Disconnected followers. Which comes back to the best way is just to influence people and let God use you to do it. I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just telling you, there are things God wants to say and you and I have to decide in our hearts, how am I going to steward the influence God's given me? Whether that's at my place of work, whether that's online, doesn't matter. Wherever God has me, how am I going to steward the influence God gives me? Every time God sends you into a room, it's for a specific purpose. You just have to decide if you're going to walk in it or if you're going to do what you want to do. All right. Now, when I talk about Tom's video and say, I, I put up some, something on my story this morning and said, I never do this, but I'm begging you, send this video to some people in your life whom you know need to hear this. That this is the kind of thing many people need healing from. And this man is a man I believe God will use as much as any other on the earth right now to do it. Just trying to use any influence God's given me to say, hey, you know somebody's struggling with this. Hook them up. I think God wants to heal their hurt, heal their heart. But if you kind of look at it and you go, well, Preston, I don't, I don't think we should draw attention to ourselves. Let me give you a verse. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out 
for all to see. This is tough if you have a theology of hiding that only the hiders are the godly ones. And I'm not taking shots at you. I was in that spot for a season. Watch. Why should we let our good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father? The goal is to bring God more glory. Everything you do at the workplace. Listen, this is why you need to work hard in the workplace so that God can trust you with influence in the workplace. That younger leaders see the example that you're setting and and they go, I want to get where they are, where you are. And so I'm going to do what they've done to get there. Listen, that's influence. I have a friend who works at a major investment firm. If I said the name, you would know it. He's a dude. And he's one of the best teachers, um, instructors of how to do well um, in that arena that this company has. He's their top, top guy. Travels all over the country. And one of the things he told this public gargantuan company was, I'll do this, but if I'm going to teach these classes and impart everything I've learned about being successful in this business model, I make one request that I can teach on the blessed life and give every person in the room a copy. And this man has been doing this and sharing the gospel every time he does this, these huge classes. Influence. He has God-given influence. And this is what's amazing. He could be fired. But because he has stewarded the success God's given him so well, in my opinion, and so purely, a door has opened for him to share the gospel in a way that is insane. And in many companies like that wouldn't be allowed. Listen, it's okay. If God gives you a word, put it out there. Here's how you keep it pure. You remember the focus of the gospel is the message, not its messengers. John the Baptist wasn't the focus. Jesus was because Jesus was the message. John the Baptist was just a messenger carrying the message. Here's the third thing we talk about influence. We've got to remember we must go even though it's essential to also stay. We must go. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This was the beginning of the greatest move of God that would begin on the earth. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he tells us what the power is to be used for. And you'll use it to be my witnesses, my influencers telling people about me everywhere. Not just in your home, not just at your workplace, not just at the mall, everywhere. Then he says, he paints the picture clearly, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I love that he throws Samaria in there because that that was a little bit of a contentious idea. But he also says to the ends of the earth. Jesus was clear. The church was never meant to be only local. That might be shocking for some of you, but think about it like this. A church in Jerusalem, only about Jerusalem, in my opinion, is not a biblical church. 
according to what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. That's only one quarter of the audience Jesus wanted the message to go to. If our church, the church I pastor, is a church which is only about our church, we're not a church. We're just a club. But a church ministering to the ends of the earth isn't a misguided church. It's actually a missional church. We cannot have a Jerusalem-only mentality. The church in Jerusalem didn't have a Jerusalem-only mentality. Yes, they met from house to house and in the temple, but they took the gospel to the ends of the earth. The focus of the church in Jerusalem was Jesus, not Jerusalem. Now remember, as we talk about this issue of hiding, and then we bring in the gospel, God sometimes hides his good friends, but God never hides his good news. Never. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. He does not hide his good news. And what is the good news? Here's kind of Preston's paraphrase uh, of the gospel. God created man to be his best friend. Man made a decision which should have ended his friendship with God forever. But God, who is rich in mercy and grace, so badly wanted to be man's best friend that he sent his one and only begotten son, one of his two best friends, to die for his friends. Not just so they could be friends again, but so that they could be best friends, us and God, best friends forever. This is the message of the good news. We screwed it up. But his heart before we screwed it up was to be best friends with us. And the only way to give us access to that relationship forever was to send Jesus to die for us. This is why the message has to go to the ends of the earth. But here's the deal. You can't travel to every end of the earth. You don't have enough time. Too many countries. You probably can't hit them all. But you can send a message anywhere. Let me give you how I kind of started understanding this. And again, I know it's a little social media specific. Just see the principle, not just the arena. All right. Um, As the Lord was helping me understand. Uh, The efficient power, that's the phrase I've started using consistently, the efficient power of the pure use of social media, okay? There's efficiency in it, and I'll I'll explain it like this, because it's kind of how I felt the Lord explain it to me. Um, There's a post we put up yesterday, we'll just use the most recent one, yesterday, uh, went up 24 hours ago, and if I asked you, okay, listen, uh, God, God's given you a message, a 90-second message. He wants you to get not just to every person you know, but thousands and thousands of people you've never met. And you, you actually don't even know they exist. Do you know how much time it would take you to get a message to every single one of those people? 
I'll just use us as an example. Please don't get focused on the numbers. But in 24 hours, 30,000 views on this video from yesterday morning, okay? Yesterday afternoon. How long would it take me to get on the phone and give that message to every single person who's viewed it in the last 24 hours? I'll give you the number because Instagram actually gives us the figure. About 155 hours, it's been viewed in 24 hours. Hey, listen to me. This is how the Lord helped me understand the efficient power of using platform online. And I'm talking about you, not me. There's efficient power. Every time you put a word from the Lord on social media, I'm not talking about tell people what you ate for lunch. All right. Like if you follow my account, you see. I'm not talking about personal stuff. I have a private account that I do that stuff with that, that is just for friends and family. But I feel like if, if the platform of social media can be used to minister, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, I want that to be the focus of the conversation. Okay, how long would it take me to talk to 30,000 individual people for 90 seconds? 150, 160 hours. Here's another way to say it. It would take me nearly all week you know how much time it took me? 90 seconds. Part of me has to take back some of the things I've said about social media in the past. <laughs> because I didn't understand the efficient power of the pure use of social media platform. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Now, listen, I got teenagers. I got one off in college. I don't have enough time to spend 160 hours to send every person that God wanted that message to get to, to personally contact them and tell them the message. I don't have that kind of time. Oh, so Lord, you just want me to put it in a reel? You just want them to put it in a reel when you give them a word and just encourage people? Well, Preston, not that many people follow me, so it doesn't matter. Whoa, 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 whoa. Please don't ever talk like that. Please don't ever talk like that. that. That is not how Jesus talks. If you think Jesus was more excited by the size of the crowd for the most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the world would ever hear, than he was being alone with the woman at the well, sharing the same good news. Bro, you got him twisted with somebody else. It's not the size of the audience that matters. It's that God spoke to you in the first place. Who cares how many people listen? All that matters, and this is how I've kind of started to see the, these messages that we send out online. It's like a message in a bottle. And my job is just to hear the Lord, and this is for you too. Okay? You don't have to be a pastor. All of us have influence. We are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, God gives each of his children a measure of influence. It doesn't matter if three people hear it or three million people hear it. What matters is that you do what you need to do to hear the message. God wants to write out on a piece of paper and then put it in a bottle. And then God 
is responsible to make sure the bottle gets to the exact beach where that person is right now presently walking. They're just messages in a bottle that the Holy Spirit uses to do whatever he wills. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 is a calibrating verse for us. And I am trying to stoke you a little bit. I am. I'm trying to push you a little bit. Maybe it's because I'm just learning so much, you know, uh, about stepping out and, and people being encouraged by a word from the Lord. I am pushing you. I'm pushing you to hear the voice of God. I'm pushing you to repeat what you hear him say. I'm pushing you to steward the influence God's given you to help people to the ends of the earth, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. All right. Here's a calibrating verse for this thought. Isaiah 52, seven, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. How beautiful are the feet. If you have a problem, again, we're speaking specifically about social media here. If you have a problem with people who get on social media to use it efficiently to get the message out to the ends of the earth, here's what I'd say. Isn't it interesting that this verse in Isaiah 52 doesn't say how ugly is the heart who carries the gospel outside his hometown? It actually says, how beautiful are the feet. What makes feet beautiful to God? If, if, if you've been around me for any amount of time, you know I don't like feet. I think feet are ugly. Sorry, Lord, I know you created them, but I, feet are kind of gross to me, all right? So this verse has always stood out to me. How beautiful are the feet? God, there's no such thing as beautiful feet until the Lord goes, oh, Preston, what makes feet beautiful to me is not their look. It's their use. Yeah. Preston, it's not about looking pretty. It's about those feet being used to do what I created them to do. Take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Can you imagine how excited the apostle Paul would be if he had the internet at his fingertips to send out the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you even imagine I think he'd be ecstatic. He'd still travel. But he could send those messages in bottles like hotcakes. What if my sister, who's been hiding for a decade, what if you sweethearted thing, what if God three months from now said, no more hiding. It's time. Would you be okay with it? Have you created a doctrine around hiding in such a way that when God tells you to come out of the wilderness, you'll stay hiding in it? Listen, when God says hide and I don't hide, it's disobedience. When God says come out of hiding and I stay in hiding, that's disobedience too. 
I'm just telling you, I'm learning. None of this is about us. I, I'm convinced. The only reason I have oxygen in my lungs is not to enjoy this life. Of course, he wants me to, to find joy in him. But, but the, the end game of my life is not enjoying this life. It's clear. The point of my life and your life is to carry his message. To be one in the middle, being used by God to reconcile man and woman to himself. And he wants us to be carriers of the message. Just a little something so you know a preview of coming attractions. I will go back into hiding the second God says, we're hiding again. But I will also say, until he does, here's my goal. To try and bring him more glory. To bring more attention on him than I ever have at any point in my life. The key to influencing in a godly way is this. It's not about getting them to look at you. It's simply living a life in such a way that when they listen to you, they end up looking at him. I'm telling you, some of you have been in hiding and the season of hiding is coming to an end. You better get your butt ready. Brass tacks, I'm coming right at you. You, you better get ready. Because some of you have been sitting because you've been a little too frustrated about how long you've been hidden. This isn't about getting famous. You don't want to be famous. You don't want to just be known for something. Pe people in, in Hollywood ha have seasons where they literally have influence and then it's over. And, and what? What's it worth? Nothing. Nothing in the end. People move on. They forget them. Okay? But what about those of us who are meant to point at God? It ain't about the fame. It's about his glory. Set the goal of your heart as it relates to influence like this. Lord, would you anoint me and help me to live in such a way that every time they listen to me, whether it's two or two million, every one of them ends up looking at you. I love you so much. I love you, love you, love you. And I know the season of hiding for some of you has been so frustrating and so excruciating. But I hope you're changing the way you're seeing it. Oh, my hiding season was one of the greatest seasons of my life, but it didn't start like that because I didn't see it like that. Hiding seasons are a gift. Influence isn't a gift. Influence is a weight. And God right now in your season of hiding is strengthening you to prepare you as a messenger to take his message to hearts who have never heard of him 
at the ends of the earth. I want to pray over you, but especially those of you in a season of hiding. And then also for those of you whom God is giving, we all have influence. But what I would say is I want to pray over those of you who feel your influence is increasing beyond what what you feel capable of stewarding. Not a bad place to be because it's going to make you rely on him. But I want to pray over both those people especially, all right? God, thank you so much um, for, for just choosing to do anything with us. It's amazing that we get to partner with the God of the universe. And Lord, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are presently in a season of hiding. Would you help them? I've already prayed that you'd help them see it properly. But God, now I ask you to, to help them to finish well as they prepare properly for what's ahead. Lord, your, your goal is not to bring attention to them just so they can have attention. Your goal in exalting them, propping them up where others can see them is another way to say it. God, your aim is to use them to bring you more glory. Holy Spirit, would you help them? Help them finish well in the season of hiding. Would you purify each of their hearts and mine? Help us to see influence from a pure perspective, not an impure or insecure one. We are messengers. Messengers don't hide the message. They deliver it. We are a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. So Lord, as you have my brothers and sisters in hiding, would you make every cut which must be made on their hearts, cut off every bit of flesh that would create difficulty in the days ahead as you ask them to steward influence to bring you more glory. Then Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are experiencing a measure of increasing influence in this season and they feel overwhelmed. That's beyond what they feel they, they can handle well. Lord, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, be so present with them. I pray you'd open their ears to hear your words more clearly than ever before. They are sent ones. They are messengers. And every time they open their mouths at, at the workplace or, or at church or at the mall, or, or in a, a, a conversation with friends or online with social media, God, you are using them to deliver your message. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen their feet? Would you clean their ears? Would you anoint them with oil to bring you more glory than they ever have before? We must decrease, especially when we're in seasons of increase. God, would you help us keep the perspective? We must continue to decrease so that we can draw more attention to the one who alone must increase. Lord, would you bless them and protect them from the schemes of the enemy to try and take away their influence? Set a hedge around these messengers and anoint them to go to the ends of the earth. I pray all of these things 
In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, and I love doing this with you. I enjoy just sitting down, having a cup of coffee together, and and just talking about what the Lord's saying. And, and I pray that this message doesn't just go into your ears. I pray for those who really needed to hear it, that God sent a message in a bottle for you on this day, which you're watching it. I pray that it would be a part of how God shapes your patterns of behavior as you step out of a season of hiding and into a season of influence so that God can get more glory. I love you so much. I'm praying for you. You got a prayer request, put it in the comments. I love to pray specifically over you or DM me on Instagram. I love to be standing with you and praying uh, alongside you, with you and over you. I love you so much. I can't wait to talk next week. See you then. <laughs>